Uh, Jill Rutter for some guidance on this, a senior research fellow at UK in a changing Europe. Lovely talking to you again, Jill. Good afternoon. Hi, Matthew. I'm not sure I'm very expert on um, <laughs> museum objects. Though, well, I did, well, I guess that what it really does is put a magnifying glass on uh, EU negotiating tactics, I guess, first of all. Yeah, um, I think that's right. I mean, we're in the phase where we saw earlier in the month the sort of initial draft that the Commission pulled together. And now we're in the process of getting that agreed by member states. And not surprisingly, member states are looking at the EU draft and saying, well, there's another thing we'd like you to put in. Uh, And so we're seeing what you might describe as a bit of Christmas treeing or kitchen sinking going on where everything you've always wanted from the UK and this is possibly an opportunity to ask for is being uh, spatchcocked into the negotiating mandate Uh, so we will see where it ends up and it's not quite clear whether this provision that's been put in at the request of some countries is actually specifically directed to the Elgin Marbles or as other people say is actually more about ensuring the UK goes on to cooperate in the illegal trade in uh, art objects which goes on and where London seems to be seen to be quite a big player so it's not quite clear what it's all about but we do know that the Greeks for some time have been saying give us back our marbles uh, you know we've also got Spanish on Gibraltar potentially down the well, line I was, I was, funny enough Jill, I was, I was, I was just up. about to bring up uh, and Gibraltar as well I, I mean I, 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 I know of, uh, of no uh, precedent so I, I'm, I'm kind of completely at sea as to when people strike trade deals in these early stages, I, I would imagine everybody loads up with their demands. They've got a, a, a fair idea of the things they might roll over on and, and acquiesce. What I can't, what I have no feeling for here is how likely or not such clauses are to survive. It's quite interesting when they were doing the uh, withdrawal agreement. The uh, the French and the Poles didn't like the initial Commission mandate and added in things to that about uh, asking for more money on agriculture and would have actually made that uh, yeah, mean we were paying a much bigger financial settlement. Right. But actually what it ended up was going back to the more or less the figures the Commission first thought of. So you can see that some of these, actually the Commission's done a sort of, you know, we may or may not end up anywhere near that, but actually had a bit more realistic appraisal and then gets these other things added in. It is always said, though, that one of the things that the Spaniards felt was that when they acceded to the EU, they had various sort of you know, discussions about Gibraltar. But at that point, the UK was a member state and Spain wasn't. So Spain <laughs> basically got none of the things that it wanted on Gibraltar and the EU was very much lined up behind the UK. And we certainly saw in phase one of the talks that the EU rallied all round and there was huge solidarity the 27 behind the Irish concerns about yes. the land border so in that sense they they did sort of stick out for one of the member states individual demands and there were special things done about sovereign bases in Cyprus various other things so I think at the end of the day uh, if you're a member state and you get something special in you either get that thing or you might say well uh, okay I reluctantly concede that I'm not going to get my way on X but by the way we're having all these other EU negotiations going on at the moment within the EU that the UK is no longer part of you know at the same time as the Brexit negotiations are supposed to be concluding there is the big row going on about the EU's budget the Mm. you know setting the budget for the next seven years so say well I'll, I'll not stick out against the deal which now requires unanimity in the council 
but maybe there's this other demand I've got over here and maybe you might move a bit of a way towards us. So uh, so it's sort of a bit of a game of sort of multidimensional chess played across <laughs> a number of chessboards and we're not actually party to many of them, so you can see it a bit of that. Can I, can I just change that ever so slightly and, and ask you what you made of Sadiq Khan's mission? I think it was Brussels, it was in yesterday, I saw him with Guy Verhofstadt. And uh, on, uh, uh, I think it's slightly peculiar, but uh, perhaps laudable mission to secure some kind of EU membership uh, for, as far as I could work out, it was the citizens of London. But I, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't say he's got a snowball's uh, hope in hell of, of, of ever coming to fruition. But is there any basis for it, Jill, of Sadiq Khan's mission? The basis for it has been that actually this has been an idea that originated from Kiefer Hofstadt uh, a few right. years ago, yeah. which was that you know in order to recognise that there were you know quite a lot of people who were upset about the decision to leave, even if the UK as a country was leaving, was it possible to recognise that some UK citizens still wanted an ongoing association, still wanted to be able to exercise the rights that they'd had and as the so you membership had kind of odd thing, cut yeah. off that if you'd exercise your free movement rate rights before we leave, then you retain them in that country in perpetuity. But if you haven't quite made it through in that deadline, it's like a game of musical chairs. You, you know, you're stuck in the sort of you know country that you are, i.e. the UK, and you lose all those rights. So this has been an idea that's been floating around. I mean, it's not got, as far as I can see, any traction no. in the commission or particularly in other EU member states, does seem to be a thing that the Parliament... The Parliament sort of set itself up a bit to be to be the place that cares about citizens. Yes. Uh, so it's quite an interesting idea. Uh, at the moment, we have this very odd race going on, uh, as far as I can see, among a lot of British citizens who do want to retain some sort of rights to go to other EU countries to see whether there is any EU passport yeah, they possibly yeah. qualify I, I, I for. I once met a bloke from Dublin, can I have a passport to the Republic of Ireland, please? <laughs> uh, that kind of I thing. have <laughs> quite a few colleagues in various places I work who have suddenly become very implausible Irish people, I have to say. Hello. <laughs> unearthing grannies and stuff like that to, uh, uh, to do that, or other people who are applying for German passports or Spanish passports or whatever. So they're obviously very different rules. Some countries make it harder because they say you can only be a citizen of one country you can't yes, uh, right. can't sort of queue up multiple passports to pick and mix with, and it's and one of the things that's really interesting, and someone did say, was that going forward, particularly services businesses, will be looking at the ability of people to undertake contracts in other EU countries, and they may say, well, actually, we would like people. Uh, I think there was a Ryanair job ad that people were citing, wasn't there? We like people who have rights to work in other EU countries. Yes, that's right. Dramatically <laughs> reduce the amount of paperwork we have to go through as businesses if we want to send you off at short notice to go and do a contract uh, somewhere else. That's one of the things that will be addressed in the future relationship negotiations. How easy is it to travel abroad as a British citizen if you aren't lucky mm. enough? or unlucky enough, which way you look at it, to have one of these other <laughs> Jill, you're on very good form today, I, I have to say. I have to reluctantly bring this uh, conversation to a close as it's uh, almost time for the headlines, but I can't thank you enough. Jill Rutter there uh, from uh, UK and a changing real... Managing to bring a smile, I think, not just to her face, but to, to ours as well, on a subject...